Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big all Wednesday, folks. And man, oh man, the day has come. Us versus y'all. Game two. Nets at the Celtics. Game two. The scary team versus the frightening team yes folks it all tips off seven o'clock no 7 30 usually we have to wait till like 7 30 during the week for the first playoff game no 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 we're getting it right early seven o'clock folks uh tnt espn one of those two networks but either way folks us versus y'all game two we're up us over here, thanks my fans, we're up, and if you want to join the side, you know, that's why we say we, we over here, if you agree with our takes, you are part of us, we, I know I'm not the only one thinking this, uh, this stuff out there, I refuse to believe this, I may be the first one to initially think of it, but once I say it, y'all, I know y'all are agreeing, y'all are bobbing the heads in the car, be like, yeah, the, uh, the Cowboys won't be good this season, and the 49ers will be starting Trey, uh, will be starting Jimmy Garoppolo this season, I know y'all are agreeing with me, so, that's why we say the we, <clears throat> Um, I get a little knocked for that, but, you know, we still chug over here with the we. We are the we over here. Uh, but we are up one nothing on y'all. Y'all with the Nets, not scary to us over here, and we got the win because of Jason Tatum, superstar. Jason Tatum spinning off of Kyrie Irving, folks, spinning off of him for the game winner. Your scary player, Kyrie Irving, got spin-cycled by Jason Tatum, terrifying superstar, to win the game, game one. So, what, if y'all are scared of that, Kyrie Irving's great performance that ends in a loss, well, you should be terrified by Jason Tatum's spin cycle game-winning layup. Yes, folks? So, it's a big game today, folks, and we want all the smoke, okay? We're about to be, ah, we, we about to be up 2 nothing on y'all. Yes, folks? So, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this game, and I think after the show i'm just re-watching game one until game two starts i don't know how many iterations i'll get to watch fully game one but it doesn't matter i just need to see game two immediately damn all right so we're definitely going to preview that game folks we got to wait a little bit till we can truly preview that game and see what the spread is see what the line is now right uh but we will talk about the playoff games today on the show got to break down the playoff games from last night and uh we made one one calculated error when making our bets last night uh which was hey these are going to be competitive for the most part these are going to be competitive these are seven game series coaches are going to make adjustments players are going to make adjustments and all that and uh, we didn't really take that full into account uh, yesterday when betting. So let's update that in our thinking so we have a little bit better of a betting day today. Yes? So let's keep this in mind. These series can be close. Yes? 
And just because, and another thing, like road team stealing game one, I mean, that just puts so much more pressure on the home team for game two and all that. Another thing I think we took under, we undervalued yesterday. So we re-upped our thinking and we're ready to hit three for three again today in the NBA. <clears throat> so breaking down the games from last night. Betting on the games tonight, going over some NFL stories, and once again, there's some good ones, folks. Y'all are getting it done out there. I love it, folks. These stories, the last few days, it's everything I've wanted. So once again, this offseason, folks, best offseason in the NFL in my recent memory, and it just keeps getting better because we're hearing from, uh, who are we hearing from today? We're hearing from the Cowboys. We're hearing from Justin Fields, and this one is just so funny. Um, we're hearing from the Cowboys. Like I said, we're hearing from Kyler Murray again a little bit in the <laughs> the Panthers folks <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to the Panthers folks okay well y'all stop that all right we're getting ahead of ourselves but we got great stories to talk about in the NFL and and I think we may possibly be able to, to squeeze in Kenny Pickett today on the show seeing if Kenny Pickett is better than Malik Willis we are eight days away from the draft we got to get this settled folks so hopefully we can settle that today so let's start the show here we'll start in the uh, NBA transition to the NFL so let's start talking about all the NBA playoff action from last night because it was very, very good again. Once again, golden era, folks. We're in Wednesday, a little bit of the halfway point. You know, Thursday, we're going to kind of be over the hump a little bit. The golden era, I believe, could end on Sunday. It could go a lot longer depending on, you know, four sweeps or seven game, you know, series, however long these first series go. But at minimum, um, it could be ending this weekend. So take advantage. Another full day, three games on all night of NBA playoff basketball. Take advantage. We are still in that golden stretch, folks. No sleeping early. No putting on a movie. No watching anything else. You can do that later. It is playoff basketball time. Round one. Lock in, folks. Yes? Thank you. All right, here we go. First game up, we got the Hawks at the Heat. And this was a great game. Hawks really were competitive all throughout. Heat weren't as dominant as they were in game one. And this came down to maybe three minutes, two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. And that's where Jimmy Butler took over and absolutely blew open this game. That was competitive all game long. But the Heat end up winning by 10, 115-105. They cover the spread, all that, because Jimmy Butler decided to go absolutely manic. Jimmy Butler, 45 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, shooting 4 of 7 from the 3. How crazy is that? I don't think Jimmy Butler has attempted 7 threes in a game at all this season. And he woke up the sleeping giant because remember, in game 1, Trey Young and Jimmy Butler kind of bumped into each other a little bit, folks. It got a little heated. Trey Young wasn't backing down from Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler was like... <laughs> Who the hell is this dude? Who is this guy trying to beef up on me? No, no, no. In my home stadium, when we're beating your ass game one, you want to try and get body to body with me? Wrong move, kid. And Jimmy Butler took it a little personally because the man was absolutely phenomenal tonight. Not hesitating from that three-point shot. And usually, you know, that's a little bit of Jimmy Butler. He's not that three-point shooter. He is a little hesitant on taking uh, some. And I think he is conscious on how many threes he attempts in a game, uh, you know, on how many, you know, he makes and misses. But the fact that he shot seven threes last night and made four of them, I mean, when you're like betting, you know, 
heat games, embedding player props. Jimmy Butler for three-pointers are always like uh, over half. Over half a three-pointer and the odds are at like plus 100 because he doesn't take the threes. But he was aggressive last night. Got kind of punked. He didn't get punked, but they were, you know, chest-to-chest game one. Uh, I don't think they had to be, uh, they may have to be separated. Uh, but overall, you know, they got a little, you know, contacty. You got a little mouthy. Some things I'm sure were spoken. And Jimmy Butler took all that personally. It went manic and closed out this game. Absolutely wonderful. So, man shot four of seven from the three. 60% from the field on 25 shots. The man was just aggressive all game long. And the Heat were allowing that. That's what makes this Heat team so great because everybody's so unselfish here, folks. Jimmy Butler took took 25 shots. The second leading shot taker was Tyler Hero coming off the bench, 11 shots. That's six man of the year. That's fine. It wasn't Kyle Lowry. It wasn't Bam Adebayo getting in in uh, Jimmy Butler's way. They're like, hey, Jimmy, you want to cook tonight? Yeah? All right. And they let the man cook. And what did it do? It won him the game because Jimmy Butler took over the final three minutes to win the game. It was close, folks. Final three, three and a half minutes, Jimmy Butler takes over, and it didn't even, I mean, if you just look at the final score, optically, you would say, oh, this wasn't a close game. It was another kind of blowout. Ten points, we call that a blowout. We classify that as a blowout in the NBA, but this game was close. It was very well done by the Hawks to kind of be competitive game two after their non-competitive game one. So the Hawks did everything in their power to try and win this game. Just couldn't really kind of clutch it up. Jimmy Butler was the clutch guy last night for both these teams to win it for the Heat. But, but, this is good. This is good heading into game three. Hawks are at home for game three. Gotta win that game three. You gotta win the home games because you didn't steal one here. Um, You gotta win the home games because you didn't steal one on the road. But this was good. Good confidence booster. Trey Young, a solid game overall. Trying to kind of, once again, win without Clint Capella. And they did very, very well being competitive all game long so this is a nice little silver lining for the Hawks heading into game three and we'll see once again what the line is if we're getting points how we play it how we bet it we'll stick around and uh, wait until game number three to look at the line and what that is Uh, we won't spoil it today so, Jimmy Butler had an absolutely fantastic game. Bam Adebayo was still not kind of being dominant. And I thought Bam Adebayo was going to have a big game, too, because he wasn't really doing anything in game one. But Bam Adebayo, they don't even really need him out there. Nine points, four rebounds. They're not asking him. He only took six shots. They're not asking him to be aggressive. Maybe they're saving that for a little bit later in the playoffs. Bring out their secret weapon, Bam Adebayo. Or maybe they're just waiting to do it a little bit later in the series. Or maybe they're going to have Bam Adebayo kind of be that road piece. Let's have Bam Adebayo secret weapon on our road games when there's no Clint Capella for the Hawks at home. So real interesting how they're kind of utilizing Bam Adebayo or not utilizing Bam Adebayo in the offense here the first two playoff games. But when you got a guy like Jimmy Butler, you just give him the ball and get out of his way when he's feeling as hot as he was last night. So, still waiting for that Bam out of bio playoff game. Haven't gotten it yet. I think I bet it the first two nights. Didn't cash out either of them. So, I'm still waiting on that one to hit. Uh, we have Max Drew still in the starting lineup. Love it. 14 points, 4 assists, 3 of 8 from the 3. Exactly. I mean, at minimum, he gives us the same exact production that Duncan Robinson gives us. And I want to say Max Drew is taller, right? We get Max Drews a little bit taller, a little bit more better defense. We get Max Drews at 6'5". Duncan Robinson, he may be 6'5", too. They may be the same height. What do we got, Duncan? 
Right, wow, Duncan Robinson, 6'7". Wow, wow, so even shorter and still kind of giving us the same offensive and defensive production. So, yeah, we still love Max Drews in the starting lineup. Tyler here off the bench, 15 points, 3 rebounds. And then we also had Gabe Vincent, 11 points off the bench. Duncan Robinson only played 6 minutes last night. Mm -mm. No points, no shots taken in six minutes. So, once again, Duncan Robinson off the bench in the starting lineup doesn't really move the needle that much. We do like him better off the bench, though. So, uh, they got it done for the Heat. Kyle Lowry, let's shout out him, too. Only nine points and two assists. I mean, it's not like everybody was having great games. Everybody was struggling a little bit besides Jimmy Butler. So, they just kept feeding Jimmy Butler, and that's the win for the Heat last night. All right, and then for the Hawks. John Collins playing the five in lieu of no Clint Capella. And he had 13 points, 10 rebounds, two assists. Not bad overall. Getting that nice beef down there to help out with Bam Adebayo and the rest of the Heat's bigs. We have Trey Young, 25 points, seven assists, six rebounds. But two of 10 from the three, not good. And get this, folks, 10 turnovers. 10 turnovers by Trey Young, folks. And this is not the talk of the town. This is not the talk of the day, folks, in the national media. Trey Young's 10 turnovers. I don't think anybody's talked about Trey Young's 10, 10 double-digit turnovers. Folks, if y'all know when Russell Westbrook has five turnovers, everybody goes manic. This is Trey Young in a close game. 10 turnovers, yes, and nobody's making a peep out of it. That was not the greatest by Trey Young last night and truly hurt them. It was a close game. Every turnover counts, and when you're having 10, when you're having 10 alone, holy moly, sheesh, not good. Uh, we had Kevin Herter. Nine points, three of seven from the three. DeAndre Hunter, 16 points on 15 shots. The man shot 40%. And then Danilo Gallinari, two points, 0 of 4 from the three, 0 of 6 from the field. Come on. We need a little bit of help here. And everybody was letting Trey Young down. Everybody was letting Trey Young down, and Trey Young was letting everybody else down with the turnover. So nobody could really clutch it up here on the road in Miami. Off the bench, we had Bogdanovich doing his thing. We always know he's fantastic off the bench. 29 points, led the team in scoring, 5 of 10 from the 3, and he only played 28 minutes off the bench. So, <clears throat> can always rely on Bogdanovich. And then we had DeLon Wright, 9 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, 3 rebounds off the bench to help out as well. Unfortunately, once again, not enough. He get the win by 10, 115-105, but a nice silver lining performance overall by the Hawks. Give them extra confidence heading into Game 3 because that is a must-win Game 3. You cannot be down 3 nothing against this Heat team. They will close out. So, Heat get the win, 115-105, Hawks. We'll see what they can do in game three at home. Alrighty, next game up here, Timberwolves at the Grizzlies. In this game, uh, wow, 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 the Grizzlies are back. They took that first uh, right hook right to the jaw in the opening minutes of their boxing match. And uh, the Grizzlies took the punch and were like, okay, punched the Timberwolves back. And now it's going to be, can the Timberwolves respond to the big punch out? Because the Grizzlies were dominant and really won this game. Right from the rip. Grizzlies dominate. Win 124-96. to 96. They get the 28-point win. Our 6.5 that we had with the Timberwolves. Not even close. Like, right from the rip. It was never covering. I don't think it was ever covering at any point. <coughs> so, Grizzlies are back. They took that big shot. 
recovered from it, and now the Grizzlies are back on track, and now we're back to having the Grizzlies win this series. The fact that they were able to overcome that sucker punch game one in dominating fashion, that's really all we needed to see by this Grizzlies team. Prove that they can get it done. Prove that the moment in the playoffs isn't going to be too big. Prove that you can overcome. I mean, that was a, I mean, this, the, to have the Timberwolves steal game one, folks, I mean, that's big time demoralizing. And once again, speaks to the leadership on this team, speaks to the coaching on this team. And the coaching on this team was exactly why they won last night. So, you know, uh, two days ago when we were talking about coach of the year and all that, and seeing that the Grizzlies head coach made the finalist, yeah, yeah, definitely got to give him his respect because he absolutely coached his ass off yesterday uh, just for winning the game, but also getting his team ready to play this game. So here we go, the Grizzlies last night, Steven Adams, a little bit of a liability out there in game one, not defensively, just a little bit of offensively, being, you know, going against Carl Anthony Towns, you can't go out there and put up no shots or only one shot, we have to get some good, even level of big play when you're going against a great big, like Carl Anthony Towns, or Joel Embiid, or a Giannis, something like that, so Steven Adams, a little bit of liability out there, he picked up two early fouls, and he only played two minutes, folks, Steven Adams, a big, Oh, he got in the starting lineup. He wasn't injured. He just got into foul trouble early. So the Grizzlies head coach uh, ends up going to... <clears throat> Uh, Xavier Tillman, the big, and having him kind of be the main big for the entire game. They fed off the momentum. They got out to that hot start because no Steven Adams, and he didn't even play Steven Adams for the rest of the game. He carried that momentum, kept playing that rotational momentum that sprung them to that huge early lead that they held for the rest of the game. So well done, 100% for the uh, – let me get his name up here. I did forget his name. That's why I was kept calling him <laughs> Grizzlies coach. Uh, but let me respect him a little bit here. We have the tweet up that mentions his name. So let's get this up quickly, quickly. Here we go. Taylor Jenkins. Very well done. Head coach for the Grizzlies. Let's remember that name. Taylor Jenkins. Fantastic game. Fantastic management of that game. And once again, just well done having this team re-buy in. Because this team could have folded, folks. I mean, they they truly rode momentum all year long, thriving off kind of the media gushing over them and rightfully so this is not a knock uh you know third seed in the western conference very very good winning without John Morant it was all fantastic but I do think the Grizzlies kind of fed into that a little bit fed into the national media narrative of them being good so you know they could have floundered here game two got punched in the mouth game one everybody's talking about them buying into their own hype but no 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 they rebought in and dominated right off the rip for this game so Grizzlies back out in front back dominating and now it's going to be up for the Timberwolves to respond game three at home can the Grizzlies get it done on the road yeah and I think we might be betting them and we may only have to swallow like two or three points on the road depending on what Vegas puts a spread at so this could be great value game three we got to wait till uh, game three happens to talk about it so let's just talk about what happened last night so here we go <clears throat> for the Grizzlies we had John Moran 23 points 10 assists 9 rebounds 1 rebound short from a triple double performance he was a plus 24 on the floor that was the highest for the Grizzlies last night <clears throat> We had Desmond Bain, 16 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Like we said, Steven Adams only played 2 minutes, 0 points on 0 shots. 
Jaron Jackson Jr., 16.7 rebounds to help out as well. And then the bench, folks. Once again, bench production. And man, oh man, we know the Grizzlies are deep. You know, we brought up bench production yesterday on the show, talking about the 76ers and why we're worried about them long haul through the playoff bracket. They've got no bench. Well, look at this Grizzlies bench, folks. If it's Grizzlies 76ers in the finals, I would say there's no way. There's no way the 76ers can win. Look at this bench, folks. Are y'all ready? These are all the bench performances from last night. Brandon Clark, 13 points, 2 steals, 2 assists, 3 rebounds on 62% shooting. Zaire Williams, 13 points, 1 steal, 1 rebound on 60% shooting. Then we had Kyle Anderson, not a great night, 2 points, 5 rebounds. But it gets better, folks. Tyus Jones, once again, this is still off the bench, folks. We're still going off the bench. Tyus Jones, 10 points, 3 assists, 4 rebounds on 50% shooting. Xavier Tillman filling in for Steven Adams in this game. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 85% shooting. And then DeAnthony Melton, 7 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds on 2 of 6 from the 3. Only shot 25% on 8 shots, but still, that's like their 5th scoring option off the bench, folks. I mean, that's we'll take it. We'll take 7 points at 25% shooting when we're this deep folks so I mean almost having I mean quick math let's just call it 60 minimum 60 points right there just off the bench no problem Folks, folks, we need depth, health in depth, win rings. Obviously, you got to have the starting lineup. Obviously, you got to be good. Uh, but health in depth truly help you secure ring. And the Grizzlies, they got them both, folks. So Grizzlies back out in front of the series. Timberwolves are now going to have to respond. And the Timberwolves last night, the big three let us down. Carl Anthony Towns only took seven shots last night. Why was he not more aggressive? We need Carl Anthony Towns. But well, once again, speaking to Taylor Jenkins, great mismatch. Carl Anthony Towns couldn't do anything without Steven Adams. And now that they figure that out, Steven Adams' minutes may get kind of diminished here in the playoffs for this series. We'll maybe throw him back out there in uh, round number two to see how he fares against their matchup. But overall, Carl Anthony Towns able to kind of extend exploit Steven Adams. They take Steven Adams out. Carl Anthony Towns can't do anything. So is this truly going to be the main cause for the Timberwolves losing? Carl Anthony Towns can only perform well against Steven Adams? Well, we'll figure that out and it will get a lot more clear in game three, but we got to watch for that in game three. So Carl Anthony Towns, he had 15 points because he got to the line seven times or eight times, made seven of them, but only took seven shots. So Carl Anthony Towns is going to have to, you know, go to the um, uh, go to the film room, watch the film and see how he can beat, beat the bench of this Grizzlies team and, uh, you know, how he can work uh, work against other players besides Steven Adams. So Carl Anthony Towns has some homework before game three. Carl Anthony Towns, once again, 15 points, 11 rebounds. We had Anthony Edwards. He had 20.6 rebounds, 4 of 10 from the three, 43% on 16 shots from the field. All right, solid. Definitely could have been a lot better, but he was the leading scorer for the squad, so we can't knock him too much. Then we had D'Angelo Russell, who struggled 11 points on 2 of 7 from the three, and he shot 27% on 11 shots. He only also had four assists. That's not going to get it done. So, the big three struggled last night, and then the bench, it was okay. We had Teron Prince, 12 points, two steals, two rebounds, and Naz Reed, 12.7 rebounds coming off the bench, but it was not enough. They get blown out by 28, folks. Grizzlies get the win, 124-96. All that momentum back with the Grizzlies, and we'll see them in game three. 
Alrighty, and then the last game of the night. Wow. Oh, wow. Pelicans at the Suns, and the Pelicans get the win, folks. They tie up the series 1-1, and potentially not good news for Devin Booker, folks. Uh, had to exit this game. Hamstring injury is what they're calling it. I don't think we've gotten anything concrete on Devin Booker. Let me do a live search. What do we got? Anybody talking about Devin Booker? We have any concrete information? Uh, not good. Not good, folks. Hamstring potential injury in the Suns. Knee Devin Booker. He is kind of their number one superstar. He is their scoring threat. When you need a bucket, when you need a score, you go to Devin Booker. And I don't know if the Suns are going to have somebody that can truly replace Devin Booker in that kind of clutch go-to bucket, consistent scoring category. We know Chris Paul maybe can do it. But once again, he's only 6'1". You know, there's a reason why he doesn't go manic every game throughout the entire year because he has to save. I mean, we saw it in game number one, waited to the fourth quarter to bust out the scoring to close out the game. Don't think he can do that for full, full quarters for through a seven-game series. Uh, you know, he's going to get locked up. He's a small guy out there. So, Devin Booker, we've got any news? Any news on Devin Booker? I don't know. Doesn't seem like it. All right, all right, hopefully it's uh, not bad. Hopefully he's still good and this doesn't hobble him at all for games three because they definitely need him out there. So, Suns lose 125-114 to 114 last night. Need Devin Booker. But let's start here with the Pelicans since they got it done. And let's start with Valanchunas because uh, we were a little bit wavering on him after game one. Yeah, he had 25 rebounds. But at the end of the day, DeAndre Ayton was still eating. And they still lost. So, yeah, 25 rebounds. It's impressive. It's fun to talk about. But it didn't move the needle for us because it didn't result in a win. But, but he's back out there in game number two. 10 points, 13 rebounds. Pretty solid defense throughout the entire night and Jonas Valanciunas kind of back in our good graces here and uh, back for having this Pelicans a big three. I know we kind of uh, said they weren't a big three or trending towards not being a big three because we were very disappointed in Valanciunas game one but back in uh, our good graces. This is a big three with Brandon Ingram, Valanciunas, and CJ McCollum. So, sorry and apologies go out to Valanchunas for kind of uh, going a little bit uh, overboard on our game one takeaway. So, we apologize. We reined it in Valanchunas back in our good graces. Then we had Brandon Ingram, 37 points, 9 assists, 11 rebounds. Yes, 3 of 3 from the 3, 62% on 21 shots, taking over and dominating when he needs to. We know Brandon Ingram can do it. Once again, this is a discussion. This is a debate. Who's the number one, Brandon Ingram or CJ McCollum? Stop at mainstream media for just kind of saying, hey, no debate. CJ McCollum's the one. Give Brandon Ingram his respect. Yes, folks. Well done by Brandon Ingram taking over the game. A plus 18 on the floor, the highest by the Pelicans and when they needed a bucket you know like uh you know like Devin Booker is to the Suns when the Pelicans need a bucket who can they go to they can go to CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram that's why it is a debate on who's the true number one so shout out to Brandon Ingram for that great performance last night 
Then we had CJ McCollum, and he played fantastic as well. 23 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. The man shot 6 of 10 from the 3. Yes, yes, yes. Very well done. And he was a plus 11. The second highest for the night by the Pelicans. Once again, it's a debate. Who's the true number 1? You know, and it's not a meaningful debate. Who cares who's the number 1 because they're both great. But it is a, you know, a fun debate to have. You know, when you're ordering a big 3 and all that. Big 3s are fun to talk about, folks. I love it. Give me a big 3. I'm loving it, folks. That's why we always look out for a big three when we're kind of gauging values of teams and all that. Do you have a big three, a recognizable big three? Yes, we may lower the bar a tad. We let a lot more big threes in than I think the national media does. But, hey, give me a big three, folks. We got to have some resemblance of a big three. And this Pelicans team is absolutely a big three with McCollum, Valanchunas, and Ingram. All right, the role players for the Timberwolves helped out as well. We had Herbert Jones at the 2, 14 points, 3 assists. We'll take it. Off the bench, Larry Nance Jr., twelve or uh, 13 points, 6 assists, two assi uh, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. And Larry Nance Jr., once this man is, like, healthy, this man is good. And Larry Nance Jr., if he can keep up this level of play, he's going to be a huge, great piece producer for this Pelicans bench and and will be a kind of a big reason why this Pelicans team can go deep in the playoffs. Well done to Larry Nance Jr. Then we had Trey Murph last night, nine points on seven shots, one rebound to help out as well. But it was the main three to take over offensively, defensively to get them the win. And then for the Suns last night, we had Chris Paul, you know, back to, you know, classic Chris Paul, 17 points, 14 assists. This is a classic game. You cannot get a more classic game by Chris Paul last night. Devin Booker, 31 points, 7 of 11 from 3. Need him to be at his A game, 100% healthy if the Suns team wants a chance because I don't believe they have an offensive score as well as Devin Booker is. We know he's got Mamba mentality. Everybody always compares Devin Booker to Kobe Bryant. They had a special relationship before uh, Kobe Bryant's unfortunate passing. So that's where... That's where kind of the comparisons get drawn from and all that. Uh, but I don't know if the Suns have an offensive producer score that can fill in for Devin Booker. And this is kind of, you know, one of our narratives that we've been saying for a while here, cross seasons, that Devin Booker is kind of, you know, their only main score. Once again, Chris Paul, we saw what he can do in game one, but that's not sustainable. DeAndre and he can be a little bit of that producer, but that's not the Suns' offense. They don't really center around DeAndre Ayton, um, and I really think that's a little bit of a misplay. I think we should be getting DeAndre Ayton more involved in this offense, like, like 25 points every single night. I want to see 25 and 10 out of DeAndre Ayton, but they don't run a lot of, like, pick and roll with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton to kind of flow it up to him and all that so I just wish DeAndre Ayton would get a little bit more involved in the offense and it's not him not getting involved it's the overall coaching scheme Monty Williams and then Chris Paul deciding you know how to run the offense on the floor so if DeAndre Ayton, or if uh, Devin Booker is going to be hobbled and banged up they must kind of focus on DeAndre Ayton being the main focal point of this offense I mean DeAndre Ayton had six shots last night folks that was like the main worst from the starters. McCall Bridges, 11 shots. Jay Crowder, 11 shots. And I like Jay Crowder. Don't get me wrong. I will always go to bat for Jay Crowder. But there's no reason why Jay Crowder should be ever having more shots taken than DeAndre Ayton. There's never a case. I want De I want Jay Crowder taking like four threes a game. And that's the only shots he takes. Four threes. That's all you get. You get a limit of four three attempts a game. And that is it. I'm cutting you off. There's no reason why Jay Crowder should ever.
ever, ever have double the shots taken than DeAndre Ayton while, while playing six less minutes. While playing six less minutes, folks. DeAndre Ayton, 33 minutes last night. Jay Crowder, 27 minutes. That should never be the case. Please stop this, son. So, it's just overall, I don't love their offensive schemes. And I guess that's it, folks. The last few seasons, even going back to last year when they got to the finals, you know, we were always concerned because this Suns team is a Devin Booker injury away from not even being relevant, from not even being competitive. Like, take Devin Booker off this Suns team. What is this Suns team? Fifth. Six in the West. They're not number one. They're not two. They're not top three. I would guarantee they're not top three in the West if they don't have Devin Booker. They don't have that go-to score. We think, we like to think Cameron Johnson and Cameron Payne can kind of step up in that role, but every time that they go to step up in that role, they let us down. Cameron Johnson, one of six from the three last night, only 11 points off the bench. Cameron Payne, Zero of two from the three. 50% on six shots for only six points last night. We had JaVale McGee, the big. Thank goodness some bigs getting great work out here. JaVale McGee, 10 points off the bench last night in 14 minutes. Cameron Johnson had 11 points in 25 minutes. 11 more minutes for only one more point. They're like We like to think of them. These are great tier two weapons. Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne, but they cannot fill that number one role of a Devin Booker. The Suns need Devin Booker one true trillion percent healthy here or they will not be able to get back to the finals and win the finals so Devin Booker's gotta be good to go gotta be 100% healthy and I don't know if we're gonna get that from him and it's not gonna be good for the Suns if that's the case so we all like to think. I know, folks. I see how y'all talk. I like to talk about Cameron Johnson and Cameron Payne. I love seeing Cameron Payne filling for Chris Paul when Chris Paul's out. I love it. But then when we actually need him, we never get any great production by Cameron Johnson and Cameron Payne. So, man, oh, man. This is potentially not good by the Suns. Pelicans were able to tie up the series last night 1-1 with the 125-114 win. A little bit of a dominant win. I'm calling it a nice dominant performance by this Pelicans team. 11-point win, winning 125-114. to All right, those were all the games last night that we had to break down. And there's just one quick thing I want to talk about here, one quick NBA story. So Kyrie Irving has been fined $50,000, man, oh, man, for, for profane language in his middle finger gestures to fans Sunday in Boston. Now, I don't care. Once again, I don't, I don't think he should be fined. It's unfortunate. It's just competition. Once again, all's fair in competition. The fans are trying to get the home court, you know, advantage by getting any, any reaction possible. Agree or disagree with how they get the reaction. It's a home court advantage. Obviously, everybody has their own kind of personal line in the sand that they don't cross and all that. But I don't know if we can get mad at fans for, you know, talking shit. So I don't mind the fans. I mean, we already talked about this. We don't care, you know, that the fans were talking shit. We didn't even care that Kyrie Irving was, you know, battling back and all that. I truly do not care. I give all power to Kyrie Irving to fight back with the fans. Absolutely. If you think that's the case, if you think that's the course of action to take, absolutely. I've got no problem with that. Obviously, the league, it's a little lame that they find on $50,000, but, you know, they do have to keep up appearances. You can't have your players, you know, going around acting in this behavior like this optically. So the uh, NBA does have to kind of send out this fine. So it's lame that they have to send out the fine, but, you know, once again, keeping up appearances. They are a business, all that. They have to look good optically, and this does not look good optically optically for the NBA or the Nets or maybe even some other players out here. So NBA is trying to nip it in the bud quickly because once again, Kyrie Irving is going back to Boston today. 
Tonight, 7 o'clock, cannot wait for that game. Urgh. Ooh, it's going to be so good. Oh, folks, I'm telling you, I'm gushing over this game already. So, Kyrie Irving being fined $50,000 for all his profanity. Yes, uh, Sunday, Sunday. So, we'll, uh, we'll see what uh, happens today, what goes down tonight. It should be entertaining, I would say, at the minimum. And uh, see if Kyrie Irving is still John with the fans, going back and forth with the fans, going to pay another 50 grand, throwing 50 grand away like nothing. Hey, you want 50 grand here? Here's, here's, uh, here's half a milli. Here's half a milli, and this should kind of get me through the entire playoffs. Or actually... Here's uh here's two hundred thousand because they're gonna get slapped. Well, let me knock on that. I can't I can't officially say that. Let me knock on wood on that one. Um, I can't get too caught up here. This is a big showdown, a big battle. Us versus y'all. Celtics versus Nets. Scary versus terrifying. Y'all know the deal. So uh, let me don't let me not get too ahead of ourselves here. Saying hey, it's only gonna be a four zero sweep. So let me knock on wood on that. But at the end of the day, Kerry Irving fined fifty thousand dollars for his gestures, his profanity. All right. All right, now let's move on to what we can bet on today in the NBA. Break down the three playoff games tonight. Do a little bit better in the betting department than we did yesterday. Got a little bit humbled yesterday, and that's always good. Always have to be brought down to back to earth, be humbled and all that. We've been making a killing in the NBA ever since the playing tournament started. So one little hiccup yesterday. We're ready to move on, get past that, and break it all down. Once again, we have that extra information, learning from our mistakes that we didn't really weigh the seven game series that these are going to be competitive these are going to be back and forth and a home team that lost game one is probably going to play a lot better in game number two so with all the information that we've collected on these teams the entire year the extra information that we just learned last night let's get it going and get go three for three tonight betting in the nba sound like a plan yes it does so here we go first game up us versus Versus y'all, folks. Us versus y'all. Nets at the Celtics. Game two. Hands down the best first round series. And there is no debate. First game lived up to the hype. Kyrie Irving going manic in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum, superstar, going even more manic Final second spin washing off of Kyrie Irving, folks. And I will never let Kyrie Irving live that down. The spin cycle wash. That was our... um. That was our thumbnail for uh, the video that we posted on that game one, Celtics Nets. And I thought it would get a lot more views just off that thumbnail alone. I had the three, I had three images of Kyrie Irving kind of flicking off the fans and then uh, the big image of Jason Tatum spin cycling off of him for the win. But didn't get as many views as I thought. You know, the classic clickbait with the... Uh with a thumbnail, didn't really pan out for me that time, but still like the thumbnail regardless, and Kyrie Irving got spin-cycled, and I think that's got, that got lost. That got lost in the overall narratives that everybody was talking about in Game 1. Everybody's talking they, uh, talking about Kyrie Irving being great and all that, talking about still the Nets being scary, okay. Uh, but nobody was really talking about that. Jason Tatum spin-cycled, spin-cycled, put it, that man in the washer. Yes, folks, Jason Tatum said, how much is this, 75 cents? Okay, 75 cents, spin-cycled off of Kyrie Irving and then won the game so that's a pretty good deal for 75 cents absolutely but here we go game two Nets at the Celtics Nets plus three and a half Celtics minus four and a half so this spread goes down one full point folks in Vegas hasn't really been changing up the spreads that much we did see the Sun spread go from minus ten and a half to minus nine and a half and from game one to game two this Nets Celtics playing out the same way one point less than that game one spread 
So, Nets plus three and a half, Celtics minus three and a half for the Nets. Everybody's going to go, but Ben Simmons, news shock, right? Ben Simmons not ready to go. Classic. Once again, why we're still waiting around for Ben Simmons. What's going to be the next goal post to move? Oh, Ben Simmons will be ready if the Nets can make it out of round one. Wait for that. That article will come out uh, probably not today. Uh, probably not before game three either because the Nets at home trying to, you know, get back the series and all that they want to kind of keep Ben Simmons a little bit of a mystery in the Celtics minds get that mind game going on so you probably won't hear about it uh, before today game two you probably won't hear hear about it before game three but but if like the Nets win game three and it's like 2-1 Celtics at that point Nets may come out and announce, yeah, you know, Ben Simmons will be good to go for round two if they make it there. So watch out for that um, probably soon, probably soon. And then for the Celtics, everybody's good to go as well. Now, we know this is going to be a game of adjustments, a series of adjustments. Absolutely. Both teams have their superstar firepower. Absolutely. Uh, we saw how close it was. We saw the stars coming out in game number one. But it is going to come down to coaching. And folks, folks, who would you have as, rather have as coach? Steve Nash or Ime Uduka, folks? I think that's a home run answer right there no debate home run yeah email email yes yes email yes as soon as I started to say who would you rather have Steven Ash everybody's hands should go up and be like hey the other guy yeah we'll take the other option we don't need to know who it is we're not taking Steve Nash so Celtics watch for them to make all the necessary adjustments which is basically try to lock up Kevin Durant and Kyrie more I mean that's really all you have to do in this team you're not worried about any other Nets option Yes, Seth Curry is good. Yes, Andre Drummond is good, but they're not going to be the ones taking the shots down the stretch. They're not going to be the ones taking 20 shots a game and all that. So just got to lock up Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Once again, Kyrie Irving had to play flawless just to lose by one. So Kyrie Irving still going to have to play at this high level. Kevin Durant's going to have to play a lot better. Didn't play well game one. Kevin Durant's clutchability, or should we say unclutchability, probably still coming along. We haven't seen this man be clutch all year long in a meaningful game. So he's got to get back on track. He's got to play great when Kyrie Irving plays great just to be competitive. So we're still taking the Celtics minus three and a half. I think they lock it up defensively. Now, Kevin Durant, you know, we did see, see him play a little bit of the five. They did play him a little bit down low in that game number one, and that is absolutely fantastic. That's what the Nets should be doing more of, using Kevin Durant a little bit more at that five position. He can play. He's tall. He can spread the floor as the five. It's fantastic. Once again, Celtics don't have a big, still relying on Al Horford, and we'll see if the starting lineup changes any for the Celtics team. We saw the starting five at the final, like down the stretch in clutch time that actually won them the game it was Jason Tatum Derek White Al Horford Marcus Marr Jalen Brown I love that starting five get Daniel Tice out of the floor keep that man on the bench I don't even want this man even really coming off the bench it's unfortunate that he has to force his way off the bench because no Robert Williams we digress on all that we are loving the Celtics here once again it's us versus y'all folks us one y'all zero
We'll see what changes after game two. I don't think anything. But, uh, you know, this is the matchup, folks. This is what we've been talking about all year long. This is what y'all have been talking about all year long. We've all dug in. None of us has budged. And, yeah, none of us are still going to be continuing to budge. Y'all should be budging. Y'all, after game one, y'all should have budged. But that's y'all. Y'all aren't budging. Y'all aren't budging when y'all should be budging. Okay. Uh, but we got no reason to budge. Why do we got to budge? Celtics won. They're the scarier team. They're fantastic. They're clutcher. They're more clutch than the Nets. Y'all keep telling me Kyrie Irving, Kevin Ryan, so good, so good, so clutch. Well, it didn't really pan out in game one. Obviously got a knock on wood again because we are speaking very, very aggressively here, confidently here. So, Celtics minus three and a half. Once again, clear your can calendars. Everybody must make sure they are in front of a screen. I don't care how you watch it. Television, laptop, smartphone, renting out a dying movie theater to watch. I might do that. I'm, that was a great idea that popped in my head. I may use 100 bucks? 100 bucks to run out of theater, folks? I mean, like, it's that cheap. You can run out of theater for $100. They are dying for business. Go out there. Give them your business. Put the Nets Celtics game on that jumbo screen. And enjoy it, folks. Nice little popcorn, nice little soda, unlimited refill on the soda. Too. Uh, mine shut that down because of COVID. But if it's back up, unlimited soda, got some popcorn. Y'all, my, 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 my movie theater's got a pizza hut, folks. How crazy is that? A little expensive, not the best. But overall, nice little pizza, popcorn, unlimited soda, folks, on that big screen for like $100. How are you not going to watch the best playoff series potentially in NBA history? This could go down. This could has the potential to go down, at least for first round, best playoff series first round in NBA history. Has the potential to live up for that. And you won't spend $100 to watch it at the movie theater? Come on, folks. Get serious. Will you get serious about sports, please? <laughs> get serious about competition. So, Celtics minus three and a half. Three and a half, folks. I'm loving it. Loving the Celtics here, and uh, let's all watch in a masterclass by Ime Uduka. Yes, a head coaching, coaching masterclass is going to be on display tonight, folks, by head coach of the Celtics and uh, coach of the year finalist snub Ime Uduka. Love the Celtics, swallowing three and a half tonight. All right, and we'll see what 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 is Colin gonna does Colin have true believability, and that's what we're talking about by brainwashing, folks. Let's go back to game one when uh, and Colin Coward posted a bet that he bought the Nets up to plus seven and a half. All right, that's the brainwashing. If you're so confident on the Nets, the plus four and a half should have sufficed in game number one, Colin. So this is the brainwashing we're talking about. Everybody's so big on the Nets, and the Nets are so good that you have to actively buy more points when they're getting four and a half. I understand, you know, buying down, you know, minus seven to like minus three. I understand that buying, but buying up plus four and a half to plus seven and a half, where's your confidence? Everybody speaks so highly and so aggressively on the Nets, but then here they are buying three and a half points three points so what are people going to be buying the points up to today or are you good now are you finally good are you finally good did that game number one give you enough confidence to truly buy into the nets even though you've been you know talking like y'all have been truly buying the nets for the last two and a half three months making us outraged every single day that's the brainwashing I'm talking about. You don't see us, you know. Well, we we did kind of do that too. We we did tell y'all to buy the uh, to do that four point teaser on the game uh, game one for that Celtics game. Took it from minus four to a pick 'em, and, and thankfully did because they only won by one.
We digress. We also took it both ways. So, okay. But either way, we're talking about their brain. Don't worry about us brainwashing y'all over here, folks. Okay. Our brainwashing is the right brainwashing. If we ever decide to brainwash. Okay. When they do it, it's egregious. It's disrespectful and it's wrong. Okay, folks. All right. <laughs> so we'll see what Colin Coward buys the Nets up to today. And we'll see. All right. Y'all got big believability in the Nets? Mm, I don't think so. All right. Here we go. Second game up. We're taking the Nets, uh, Celtics, not the Nets, Celtics minus three and a half. All right, here we go. Two more games up. We got 76ers at the Raptors in our first look at a game three, folks. And this is why I don't really love uh, like the three game schedule during the uh, during the week because now we're getting some still in game twos while some are playing game threes and the uneven schedule. I don't love it, folks. I love the four alternating every single day and all that, but we can only get that on the weekends, unfortunately. So here we go. We get our first look at a game three here. 76ers at the Raptors 76ers were able to take care of business games one and game two at home really kind of in no problem so once again let's see the ins and outs here because the Raptors were missing some players game two and that truly affected them once again this Raptors and 76ers team it's really only about their starting lineup none of these teams have the best depth or any reliable consistent good depth that is going to make you competitive in the playoffs so this is starting lineup versus starting lineup so if either of these teams are having even one out in their starting lineup, we're most likely going to be betting it the other way. But here we go. 76ers on the road, minus two and a half still. All right. 76ers minus two, Raptors plus two. I'm sure we're going to get some outs here for the Raptors if the spread is going to be like this. But let's double check. For the 76ers, Matisse Dybul is out, but do not get bogged down on that, folks. We've been telling you since game number one, Matisse Dybul would have been in the starting lineup for games one and two, but... But the 76ers knew that he was not going to be able to play in Toronto because I believe he is unvaxxed. That is the reason why he cannot play. He's healthy. He's not sick. He's good to go. He'll be back for game five if there is a game five. So the 76ers were smart here. A good coaching decision by the 76ers. Finally, at some point this season, they have Danny Green in the starting lineups game one and two because they wanted the consistency, the continuity for game one, two, and then three when they're on the road. So this is actually, uh, this is not going to hurt the 76ers at all. Yes, they lose a little bit of a bench depth because now we don't have Matisse Thybul coming off the bench, but they didn't really use him off the bench anyway, even in game one, or, uh, game one and game two. So 76ers, this is really not an out for them. This is still kind of them at full strength here. Do not play into it. I'm sure the national media will make a big stink out of this. I think they will. Um, I guess I'm not giving a lot of credit to the national media, but don't get bogged down. They've been planning for this. They knew this was going to happen. This is not an out of the blue out that is going to affect, affect their mentality, their rhythm, their rotations. They've been planning for this, folks. So no Matisse debut for the 76ers. Everybody else good to go. And then for the Raptors, Scotty Barnes is a game time decision so having him back will definitely help out the Raptors Raptors at home I don't believe there's fans in the stands here in Toronto. I think they've been, they've been playing in front of an empty gym all year long. I don't think it's changes for the playoffs. So an empty gym potentially 
Is this one? This one isn't even on television, I don't think. Let me double check here. That would be a real good reason not to put it on television. Is this the NBA TV game? Yeah, NBA TV game. We get the 7 o'clock Celtics Boston on TNT, and then the uh, Bulls Bucks on the doubleheader on TNT. So, 76ers Raptors on NBA TV. I believe there's not going to be any fans in the stands. I think that could play into this as well. We know, well, the Raptors will have a little bit of a leg up because they've been playing at home with no fans in the stands the entire year. So, they're, li they're a little bit used to a little bit of a more emptier gym. 76ers feed off of that energy at at home, we saw that. Joel Embiid dunks over four people with the and one. The crowd go crazy. He feeds into it. The energy is there. So, 76ers on that front may be a little bit off their mojo a little bit. Not being able to feed into the hype of the crowd. Uh, Scotty Barnes, we get any other information on NBA Fantasy Labs here? Does not seem so. All right. All right. All right. Really wish we had some concrete information on Scotty Barnes. Uh, doubtful. Ooh, 20 hours ago. Doubtful. So game time decision, but NBA Fantasy Lab says doubtful 20 hours ago, and I go with NBA Fantasy Lab. So game time decision, doubtful. Watch out for him not to play here. So once again, we're taking the 76ers minus two. We're going to have to see the Raptors implement the defense. Uh, defensive scheme to lock up the 76ers, lock up Joel Embiid and all that. So, until they prove that, now they can definitely prove that. Raptors at home, good to prove that. Uh, Nick Nurse, a great coach, absolutely benefiting to prove that, but we're just going to kind of wait. This is a seven-game series. We could take a game or two off. Once again, you know, we took the Timberwolves plus six and a half because we just wanted to see the Grizzlies get back on track. The Raptors can get back on track, but we're not going to kind of play this game where we're going to, oh, we're going to get it's today. Today is going to be the game that they get it going. No, no, no. We're going to wait until they prove it. And the Raptors, unfortunately, have not proved it yet. So we're still going to be betting the 76ers until they prove otherwise. So we'll swallow the two here with 76ers on the road. <clears throat> Alrighty, and then the last game of the night, Bulls at the Bucks, game two, and the Bulls were a lot more competitive than I thought they would be in game one. The Bucks a little bit squandered the lead in the fourth quarter, but the closeout ability kept them to win the game, and this spread hasn't really changed. I think only a half a point drop, Bulls plus 10, Bucks minus 10, and I believe it was 10 and a half game one, so this spread isn't changing that much. It's so crazy. The Suns spread changed a full point, and the Suns end up losing folks so you know watch out for that whole spread thing and all that so the fact that this spread's only changing a half a point what does that tell us I don't know how we read that, folks. It's just Vegas. They don't, uh, you know, you can get Vegas. There's great value still to be had in the playoffs, I guess, is uh, the overall message of that, I guess. <laughs> That's how we have to read into it. But here we go. Bulls at the Bucks. Bulls plus 10. Bucks minus 10. For the Bulls, everybody's good to go. And for the Bucks, George Hill is out. But everybody else will be good to go. So basically, full strength versus full strength here. Bucks minus 10. They should have covered in game one. I'm not giving any credit to the Bulls for being competitive in game number one. Once again, once they had the lead, they went like three minutes without scoring after that. This Bulls team, they haven't beat anybody good all year long. Yes, they covered. 
cover the 10 in game one. I don't know if it's happening again in game number two. The Bucks a little bit more dominant. I mean, we've seen some teams be more dominant than they were, a la the Grizzlies from game number one to game number two. And I'm going to expect this Bucks team does exactly what the Grizzlies did from game number one to game number two. More aggressive, more dominating, showing, yeah, hey, we are going to crush this team. Yeah, you shouldn't have had any doubts after game one where there was a little bit of doubts after the Bucks in game one. A little bit of doubts. A lot of people were feeding back into the Bulls a little bit. I think everybody reined it in, uh, but still, a lot of people are back on the Bulls a tad. Not the way to play the series, I don't think. So the Bulls, even when they're good, they flounder the lead. They're like the classic Jazz, but I don't even know if it's going to get that close uh, this game. I think the Bucks come out. Utilize their home court advantage. Giannis a little bit more aggressive early on, and the Bulls just have no answer. I mean, a little bit of a demoralizing loss by the Bulls in game number two. They had the lead. Everything was looking good. And then when they had the lead, they blow it. They don't have that number one superstar to take over. DeMar DeRozan's not that guy. He's a great number two. Um... Uh, Zach Levine, once again, he's not that guy either. Great number two, great three. One of the if he was a three, he'd be the best three in the league potentially. You can make the argument, you can make the debate. But over here, we're gonna swallow the ten here with the Bucks. Didn't pan out in game number one, but I'm feeling the Bucks here in game number two based on what the Grizzlies did. Yeah, yeah, give me the Bucks. I'll swallow the ten here. So, this is what we got rocking tonight, folks. On another full day of playoff basketball, Celtics minus three and a half on our us versus y'all bet. We got the 76ers minus two and swallowing 10 with the Bucks. All right, loving the value, folks, and I cannot wait. 7 o'clock, folks, make sure you are in front of a screen. Must watch. This is a must-watch game, folks. I don't know what you want from me. I don't make the rules. This is a must-watch game. If you do not watch this game, you will be arrested. I will call the police. I will make a citizen's arrest, and the police will you, – you need to just be waiting around for the police to come pick you up, okay? Net Celtics, 7 o'clock, TNT, be there, must-watch, must-watch. Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to cover for today, so now let's shift gears to the NFL, and we may still be able to get to Kenny Pickett, so let's keep our fingers crossed there, but before we get to him, there's some great stories again, back-to-back great stories days, love the stories that we talked about yesterday, and these stories, uh, just as good, I would say just as good, yes. So, let's see what's happening in the NFL. Once again, every single day, more people are talking. We had voluntary workouts, so more people are available, more people are around to talk, and talking is getting some people into trouble, folks, okay? I think we can, uh, everybody needs to kind of maybe keep their mouth shut. Um, I appreciate y'all, I appreciate y'all for talking, because I love, you know, that's what we do here on the show. We talk, what, what we break down what people are saying, how they're talking, what language they're using, so if you're gonna talk, you better, you better make it good, and some of these people talking today not making it good folks so here we go let's start with this first story and this one just popped up this is why I want to take care of uh, this one a little bit quickly here and uh in first and foremost for first and foremost but here we go Kevin Stefanski being asked some questions today and Kevin Stefanski asked specifically was asked specifically about Mayfield claiming he felt quote-unquote disrespected and this is what Kevin Stefanski had to say and this is exactly it folks there's nothing more deeper or more personal in it it's just right here quote by Kevin Stefanski saying quote I'm not going to get into the specifics 
of those types of things, it really is a unique situation. And that's all it is. The Browns were just in a really, really unique situation. They have a chance to go out and get undeniable proven greatness in Deshaun Watson, folks. I mean, we know what Deshaun Watson is. We all watch him. He's fantastic. He single-handedly tried to overcome tons of dysfunction and still had success himself where Baker Mayfield took on dysfunction and was not reaching the same level Deshaun Watson was and that's where it just becomes super unfortunate and a true unique situation you have this opportunity to go from I mean what do we what do we want to classify Baker Mayfield as I mean let's just take uh, the uh, the most minimum take that we could take on Baker Mayfield he's inconsistent I mean, that's putting it the nicest that we can put it. He's a little inconsistent. Yes, I think we can all agree with that. We have not seen consistency by Baker Mayfield. Now, once again, the coaches, the coaching staff, the offensive coordinators, all that has not been able to produce that consistency for Baker Mayfield. But that's exactly what we're talking about. Deshaun Watson had that same exact issue, and he never struggled. We've gotten that great generational consistent talent already by Deshaun Watson. This is why it's a unique situation. It's not that the the Browns didn't like Baker Mayfield. I still think they wanted to rock with Baker Mayfield this year, but a unique situation arose. Hey, we have a true chance, a true shot at getting Deshaun Watson, a generational quarterback. That would have been like getting Tom Brady in his prime. That would have been like getting Aaron Rodgers in his prime. That'd be like getting Patrick Holmes right now. Of course, you're going to dump whatever quarterback you have, unless it's like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Holmes. And unfortunately, Baker Mayfield is not not an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or Patrick Holmes. So it's not about, you know, Baker Mayfield can feel however he wants, obviously, but I don't think this was meant as disrespect. This was, hey, we have an opportunity here. We can't pass it up. We cannot pass this up. It's unfortunate, Baker. It's like last year with Tua and Deshaun Watson, that whole uh, narrative swirling around all year long. You know, I'm a Dolphins fan, folks, and I love Tua, and it would have been super unfortunate. But at the end of the day, I would have been like, yeah, we have Deshaun Watson. This is a generational quarterback that uh, don't arise that much. And I know Tua can be successful in this league, but at the end of the day, it's Deshaun Watson we're talking about. It's like SpongeBob. You know, we're not talking about this. We're not talking about this. We're talking about this. You know, the circle. Mrs. Puff. We're talking about the circle. The the, voluptu the voluptuousness of Mrs. Puff. We're not talking about some square that you can find anywhere. We're talking about that bodacious Mrs. Puff we're talking about. We're talking about this. Yes? So it's just we're talking about Deshaun Watson. That's it. Baker Mayfield, I know it may come off as disrespectful, but at the end of the day, you got to go with the better quarterback. And it's not like close, like it's debatable. Well, oh, it's this, it's this. It's not like a quarterback debate of, you know, who's better. Um, who can we? I don't even know. Who can, who can we draw from? Uh, who's better? Um... You can go to the debates, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, obviously. I don't think that's a debate. That's why I didn't want to use that example. But it's like two close quarterbacks. You know, who's better, um, Sam Darnold or Mason Rudolph? It's like, who cares? They're both trash. It's like, who cares the minuscule differences between Mason Rudolph and Sam Darnold? They're both trash overall. This is, hey, we have a great quarterback and an inconsistent at-minimum quarterback. We're going with the proven talent. So, 
Kevin Stefanski saying, hey, this is just a unique situation. It really is a unique situation here. We mean no disrespect by it. Anything like that. It's just we have a chance to get a proven great quarterback. We're going to take the chance. Same thing. If the Dolphins brought in Deshaun Watson and threw to it to the curb, I'd be like, that's just so gosh dang unfortunate. How truly unfortunate, but it's a unique situation to go out and get a proven young, young, great talent. So, um, Kevin Svansky, folks, trying his best not to, uh, you know, make this situation more uncomfortable, more out there in the open, uh, drawing more lines in the sand between the Browns and Baker Mayfield. So uh, credit to Kevin Stefanski. I think he put it absolutely perfectly. It's just unfortunate. This is just a unique situation. And I really wish he said that as well. This is just unfortunate uh, because they just go together. This is a unique situation and it's just unfortunate for Baker Mayfield. That's how it is. So that's Kevin Stefanski today. All right, but let's keep going on here. And this first story off, folks, tells us everything we need to know. The one clickbait quote right here tells us everything we need to know about Matt Nagy and this Bears team. There was no plan. And if there was a plan, it was a shitty plan. So here we go. Bears, Justin Fields hopes new coaching staff will, quote, will just tailor the plays to my skill set. Why are we in 2022 still demanding this, folks? This should be a qualification for a head coach that should be in the interview process all right what is your def- what is your offensive game plan here all right show me your offensive game plan you know okay you know this is it all right are you are you willing to tailor this offense that you have for your players and if you say no you end the interview right there okay you're not going to be hired you must tailor the offense to your skill set to your players why is this like uh why are we still debating on this why are players still having to uh, scream kick and scream for this to happen why are coaches just not doing this in general i don't get it once again why you need an offensive minded coach because they know this hey well most coaches do once again adam Gase doesn't he never got the memo that hey you should be doing this tailoring your playbook to your quarterback to your weapons offensively a la mike mcdaniels tailoring the playbook to debo samuel last season yes that's why everybody should be high on the dolphins i'm telling you the dolphins will win the super bowl this season folks we've already bet ten thousand dollars on it we don't need to prove it anymore okay the Dolphins will win the Super Bowl this year single-handedly because of Mike McDaniel's genius at the head coaching position offensive minded head coaching position so, what the hell was your plan, Matt Nagy? There was no plan. And if there was a plan, it had nothing to do with tailoring the offense to Justin Fields. So, what good of a plan was it at that point? Matt Nagy, you should be ashamed of yourself for getting this man a little bit off. Um, he's a little bit behind the eight ball now because of Matthew Nagus, yes? And now, we've got uh, the new Bears head coach who we don't love. Uh, we've got um, Matt Alberflus, who was a defensive guy. So now Justin Fields is going to be clamoring to a defensive head coach about, hey, can you tailor the offense to me? And that Matt Alberflus, what is he going to say? Ask the offensive coordinator to do that? If the offensive coordinator says no, well, oh, I'm sorry, Justin, he's going to do it his way. You know, he's the coach. You got to listen. You know, he's the authority figure. You got to listen to him, right? Right? So this is truly going to prove whether Matt Alberflus is a good coach or not. You must be demanding. You hear your quarterback say this. If your offensive coordinator is not listening, it's up to Matt Alberflus, the head coach, to demand you retailer, retool the offensive playbook to Justin Fields. 
Man. So let's go into this article. Let's see what Justin Fields is saying. See if we get any nuggets of information here. And uh, let's see what this man truly has to say. So here we go. First, lead up to the first quote. Justin Fields enters a pivotal year two with a new Chicago Bears coaching staff that already has the young quarterback feeling better about his process. Now, before we go into the quote here, I don't know if it's a pivotal year two. Justin, like this is not a make or break year for Justin Fields. He was held back year one. This is a little bit of a, I I call this a free year for Justin Fields. I don't know if there's even any pressure on Justin Fields. There's pressure on Justin Fields to perform just in the national media sense because they will knock Justin Fields. Absolutely, folks. The media will be uh, ruthless and relentless if Justin Fields struggles this season. But I don't know if it's truly a do or die or even a pivotal year for Justin Fields. Next year, definitely. This year, uh, we give him. A, I think we give him a free pass this year because of his dysfunction year one. But here we go. First quote by Justin Fields says, quote, last year, my rookie year, I didn't know if I was going to start or not. Didn't know if I was going to play. My mindset right now is completely different than last year, and I'm just excited to get started. So once again, everything Matt Nagy said was a lie. There's a plan. Justin Fields knows the plan. We all know the plan. This is the plan. He's going to play. We've got a plan. We're waiting. He's going to play this year. There's a plan. And Justin Fields saying this right here, my rookie year, I didn't know if I was going to start or not well that means Matt Nagy lied and uh, I didn't know if I was going to play once again Matt Nagy lied there was never a plan with Matt Nagy that was just what he was saying to get the media off of his back Matt Nagy never wanted to start Justin Fields Matt Nagy wanted to live and die he ended up dying but he wanted to live off of Andy Dalton he wanted to be like hey I took Andy Dalton and made him a winner here why do we need Justin Fields that's exactly what Matt Nagy's intentions were last season and now we finally have concrete proof here by Justin Fields. He never knew if he was going to start or not, and he also didn't know if he was going to play or not. Does that sound like he was sat down by Matt Nagy and explained this big old plan that he had, this grand arcing plan, like the Marvel comic universe, cinematic universe plan, where we're going to start? When did Iron Man 1 come out, folks? Like 2007? Was it the iPhone, folks? Maybe a little bit later, 2012? But they they went from 2000, let's just put 2010, yes? 2010, 2000. 22, it's still going. Overarching films. I mean, Endgame. Holy moly, bringing 10 years into one film, folks. That was supposed to be Matt Nagy's plan. I've got this big, great plan. Everybody knows about it, but I can't talk about it in the media because the plan doesn't exist. So Matt Nagy's a fraud. Who picked up Matt Nagy this season? Is he on the Seahawks' coaching staff? Where's Matt Nagy now? Because whoever hired this man, you guys swindled. Was he selling you the plan? Be like, yeah, you saw my time in Chicago. We had that great plan going. And I'm sure Matt Nagy spun it like, you know, it was just the players that couldn't execute the the plan. I ran the plan through the the top-of-the-line simulations. And the the AI that uh, was running running the plan, it was like, yeah, this is a genius plan. I've never seen a plan like this. Who came up with this plan? And Matt Nagy rose his hand. And the AI started to bow down to Matt Nagy. That's how great Matt Nagy was selling the plan. So who who got swindled here, folks? Who got swindled? Where is Matt Nagy now? Kansas City. Oh, my goodness. The Chiefs got swindled and hired Matt Nagy. Absolutely ridiculous. How did Andy Reid, such a genius guy, get swindled by Matt Nagy? I don't get it. Wow, wow, wow. This could potentially be not good for... This. Is this the crumbling? Is this the crumbling of the Chiefs dynasty? You lose Tyreek Hill and you bring in Matt Nagy? 
Nike? I mean, I don't know. That's a good switch. I don't know. That's a good swap. Ugh. Ugh, Chiefs fans, I'd be a little bit worried this season. Folks, having Matt Nagy influence any of my team, offense, defense, special teams, any, any, the water boy. I don't even want this man talking to my water boy because the water cups will not be filled with water. There'd be some grand plan where we're filling like water cups with sand to build motivation. Hey, you're thirsty? Here's this. Oh, now you drank sand? Now you're more thirsty. You want to earn that water? Go out there and get a sack. You ever try to get a sack dehydrated as heck on sand? Not going to happen. You ever see Aaron Donald chug a cup of sand and then go get a sack? Of course not, because it's a dumb plan. Matt Nagy, stop with these plans. You're going to ruin another team. Stop it. Jeez. Jeez. All right, so that's great. We got exactly what we needed off of that first quote, but we get more. There's more, folks. How truly trash was Matt Nagy? Do we get even more proof? Let's quickly see. Here we go. Second lead up. The previous coaching staff never seemed to know how to properly mesh field skill set to the offense, which produced a square peg round hole situation. The second year signal caller hopes the new staff will fit him better. Once again, there was never a plan. They didn't even know how to utilize him in the offense. So how are you going to plan if you can't even utilize him in the offense and tailor the offense to him? What is your plan entailing then? Please show us, Matt Nagy. Now we are demanding. Uh, you know, while, you know, last year, Obviously, you can't say the plan because you're not going to give your plan to all the other coaches and all that so they can game plan and uh, plan off your plan. So, Matt Nagy, now that you have no longer affiliated with the Bears, now that you have no control over... Justin Fields anymore. I am demanding, Matt Nagy, you replace, you release your big plan. Show us your big plan that you had under lock and key, uh, biometric thumbprint, because that's how fraudulent the plan was. Had to get it locked behind biometric security. So now, Matt Nagy, show us the plan. The plan means nothing now because, once again, you are no longer with the Bears. So, so show us that great plan you had because I know you didn't take that to your interview with the Chiefs. We know you didn't. We know you didn't. You blamed the plan failing on everybody else besides you. That's the only way you could get hired. All right, but here we go. Let's keep going on here, folks. Quote by Justin Fields saying this, quote, I hope that they will just tailor the plays to my skill set, which we're going to do. So just finding out what I do best, what we do best as an offense, what we do best as a team, and run that offense. So yeah, Justin Fields absolutely tailored the offense to a skill set. He says which we're going to do. So hey, that's great as well. Love hearing that. Exactly what we wanted to hear so far. Fantastic. Here we go. Next uh, quote. Let's read the lead up. Teams with new coaches are allotted an additional voluntary minicamp for veterans before the draft, which allows them to get on the field and install new schemes. The Bears kicked off their voluntary minicamp this week under, under Matt Elberfluss. Uh, this is actually Matt Elberfluss on Justin Fields now. It says, quote, He's just soaking it in and taking command of the offense. He's done a great job with that so far. I thought he did an excellent job today. He really did. He was in command of the offense. Really, every play that I saw, when you're working with 11 guys, there was a mistake here and there by this person or that person. But, man, he had a really good command today. So, love hearing that. Absolutely. Justin Fields taking command. Absolutely getting it done in every single play. Yes, sir. Go get it done, Justin Fields. Now that he's got the support around him truly this guy is the limit so folks 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 bears all right kind of trending up in my direction now we truly know i mean we always knew but now we truly have full information that hey this was matt Nagy holding
holding this team back. Justin Fields can pretty much play. He can be competitive at most, or at minimum right now, I would say game manager, and we'll see if he can uh, increase that role through this season, performing very well. So, Justin Fields feeling good. The offense is going to be tailored to him. Everybody knows it. Matt Elberfluss, defense guy, being impressed by him. Fantastic. And he's showing that command of the offense. So, everything's looking good here in Chicago so far. Fantastic. And the Chiefs got absolutely swindled by Matt Nagy. We'll see how that plays out for both sides here. Alrighty, here we go next up here and this is what everybody says when you didn't get it done because you didn't get it done You have to tell yourself something to make yourself feel better and this is exactly it And what team is this coming from folks the 3 and 14 Dallas Cowboys folks 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 Will y'all just please listen to me on this one? Why do y'all 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 saw the name of the show yesterday folks is this thing on we talked about the Cowboys is this thing on? Are y'all listening? Because it seems like all the Cowboys fans are just not listening to what I'm saying. And we're not saying these things because we're trying to get a reaction or we hate the Cowboys or we have a bias for somebody other for some other team in the NFL. No, we're saying this because this is what is happening. We are outside observers of what is happening and we just say what overall is happening given all the facts through an unbiased filter. We are outside observers, folks. That's all I am on this show. I am just calling it how I see it, and I see it pretty gosh dang clear, folks. I am clear. I am awake. Okay, folks, we are no, we're not biased over here on the show. Please point one time that we were biased on the show. We're biased because we bet $10,000 on the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. That makes me biased. That makes me biased, folks. Okay, come on. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, so here we go Cowboys folks are y'all ready for this another reason why do I have to downgrade do I have to start downgrading folks because all this all this news I know we set the bar at like three four but do I have to downgrade it to two are the Cowboys only gonna win two games this season folks I think so do we have to change our official pick to two wins here I'll do it folks you think I'm not crazy enough to only like folks like do teams are gonna win more than two games I think did, did the Jaguars win more than two games that's how bad the Cowboys are going to be. They're only going to win two games now, folks. Two. Two. I'm downgrading. Not officially. This is just today. I'm seeing how it feels coming out of my mouth. But I'll downgrade them to two wins, folks. I am inches away from doing so. Because, once again, we're getting this garbage speak, this garbage news. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Here it is, folks. This is the clickbait quote. <clears throat> Here it is. Cowboys EVP Executive Vice President Stephen Jones says, quote, I don't think you ever win the Super Bowl in the offseason. You know who says that, folks? People that didn't do anything in the offseason, like the Panthers. The Panthers would say this, folks. Do you want your team to be the Panthers this year? No, you do not. And we're talking about the Panthers, I think, in next story, which is truly comical as well. Uh, but... I don't think you ever win the Super Bowl in the offseason. Uh, well, I can tell you the Rams won the Super Bowl in the offseason when they got Matthew Stafford. And what happened this season? They won the they won the Super Bowl. So, of course, of course you can win the Super Bowl in the offseason. What are you, crazy? What are you, crazy? 
Of course you can. The Rams did it. They got Matthew Stafford in the offseason. They won from that point on. They won. They had the guy. It was over. Game over. We didn't even need to play out this season. The Cowboys, after losing Amari Cooper and uh, some other quarterback, said Wilson, and not bringing any, any big names in, that's why you say, that. oh, yeah, you know, everyone's questioning my decision, but I don't think you win the Super Bowl in the offseason. You win the Super Bowl by putting in the work here now. And then once the season starts, you put in the work there. That's when you win the Super Bowl. Stop it. Stop it. You win it now. You put the pieces in place to win it now. The Cowboys have not put any pieces into place. So there's no way I'm going to go out on a limb here, folks. It's not that big of a limb. Because once again, we have this team winning two games this year. But uh, the Cowboys, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. They did nothing this offseason to win the Super Bowl. No upgrades at all, offensively or defensively. Brought in another coach that's a little shaky on whether he's actually good or not. So now we're, we've got too many cooks in the kitchen for the coaching staff. The man, You brought in a guy to oversee the offensive and defensive side of the ball? What are you doing? We need more hands in this garden. Garbage coaching kitchen, folks? What is that? So absolutely nothing. Nothing. Uh, folks, folks, folks. How many times? Folks. Once again, is this thing on, folks? We don't come out here just willy-nilly be like, oh, the Cowboys are going to be bad. Folks, we have three uh, When does the season end? When is it, two months? One month? With two months. We have two full months of information, data, stories that we've collected. We're here every single day. Do y'all not know that we're here every single day? Once again, is this thing on? I'm here every single day, noon Eastern, talking about these cowboys because they make the news uh, multiple times a week. So they're getting multiple stories every single week. And has there been one thing that we found good, folks? No, of course not. Everything that we have read, said, heard, watched on this Cowboys team has been awful, awful, awful. Do you see the Dolphins, folks? They're making splash after splash every time we hear from them. Wow, super. We bet $10,000 on the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl. We bet $10,000 on the Cowboys winning no more than 10 and a half games. We, they are not the same. They are not the same. One made moves this offseason, one didn't. You can win the Super Bowl in the offseason. And this was the stupidest time to say this because the literal, literal Rams just did it, folks. They got Matthew Stafford in the offseason. They won the Super Bowl this season. You trace it back. Obviously, you still have to play the games. But you looking back... Looking back, now that we have the full information on the full year, we look back. All right, Rams Super Bowl champion. This is the end of the year, folks. We look back. Start of the year. Oh, that, that's when they got their Super Bowl winning quarterback. Oh, now we flash forward. Oh, they won the Super Bowl. Flicks back. Oh, yep, that's when they got him. They won the Super Bowl in the offseason. So what are you talking about? You're only saying this because you did absolutely nothing, and you did worse than nothing. You had actually worse this offseason. And this is only the clickbait quote, folks. So here it is. What else genius is this man saying out here? Yes? Man, oh, man. Here we go, folks. Let's read the lead-up to the first quote. I think we get two quotes here. So let's see what other genius, uh, great uh, knowledge, what knowledge this man has to say, yeah? Can't win the Super Bowl. Pfft, stupid, stupid. That's stupid to say. But here we go. 
All right, here, here we go. Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones noted Tuesday on 105.3 The Fan that the club isn't, quote, done yet in free agency. Okay, well, what else are you going to get? Uh, but highlighted that even the future additions, including in next week's draft, wouldn't make or break the team, saying, quote, I don't think you ever win the Super Bowl in the offseason. I think it's a full body of work that you put together over time. I think we'll be a better team. And I think we can take the next step. Why do you think that? Just tell us why you think that. Is there a plan? Do you have a plan in place? We've been swindled by a plan before, okay, with Matt Nagy. Uh, well, we were, we were never swindled by it, but, you know, he thought he swindled everybody. We saw right through Matt Nagy never exposing the plan, that there was no plan. So just tell us then, what, what, why do you think your team's going to be better? What have you done to make the team better? You've done nothing. You've done nothing. So you're just saying these words. You're just saying words out here. And we're supposed to eat up these words that you're saying? These unsalted, unseasoned words that have no value to them? I'm eating plain noodles of words? And I'm supposed to say this is good? No, of course not. Stop it. Here we go. Next quote. Next lead up. Uh, is, this, uh, is this him again? Yes, he did. All right, here we go. Jones added that some of the Cowboys' decisions this offseason were still making up for the lower-than-projected salary cap the previous two seasons due to the— Oh, my goodness. Now they're saying, oh, well, we still are still trying to recover from the low salary cap seasons from the COVID pandemic. This is— uh, Oh, folks! Making excuses? Oh, well, we, you know, we, we would have been good, but we just didn't have all that money. Yeah, all the teams didn't have that money, and teams still won. So this is, folks, I'm trying, what else can I say? Literally, what else can I say to y'all to wake y'all up? It's not even that y'all have to 100% agree and get on board with what I'm saying, but I just at least acknowledge, yeah, yeah, this is concerning. At minimum, this is starting to be concerning at this point, folks. Stop it with the Cowboys. They are going to be absolutely junk. They're going to be garbage landfill junk, folks. Two wins. They're blaming it now on the COVID pandemic for a lower salary cap, folks. This is the excuse now that they're using. Uh, we probably could have paid Amari Cooper, but the salary cap the last two years were so low. And they extended this year. It went up this year a lot. So what is the excuse now? Living in the past. Oh, the money before. But. Folks, what is the silver? What is that good spot that you're holding on with this Cowboys team? Well, I need to hear why y'all are buying into this Cowboys team, folks. I need to hear why because uh, I think y'all are lying on whatever you're going to say but uh, I just need to hear the reasoning let me hear the reasoning why y'all believe the Cowboys are going to be good this year folks I need to know the reasoning but let's let's see his excuse now folks let's see the excuse now here we go quote I wouldn't call the offseason exhausting. It's a challenge. It's work. Now they're saying it's too much work. Oh, my goodness. Folks, they're blaming it on COVID-19. Oh, my goodness. The offseason so much work. How do we do it? How do they do it? How do people do it? That's your job. You're, this is your job now. Yes, of course it's work. Of course it's a challenge. This is why they hire you to figure out the challenge. This is not news. Oh, my goodness. Do you, do you know what my position is? Executive vice president. Oh, my goodness. My challenge is so hard. It's so hard to be good in the offseason. Wow. Folks, this is who y'all are buying into. People that make excuse after excuse, folks. We've read two sentences. 
between the lead up and the quo, and we already have two different excuses. Lower salary cap because of COVID-19, that's why we're not good, and and the offseason's really hard. Folks, I can't. I can't anymore, folks. I cannot anymore with this. I can't anymore with this team overall, folks. I don't even want to read the rest of the article. What more do we have to say, folks? What more do we have to read? What are they going to say that's going to turn around? There's nothing that they can say. If they say we bring Amari Cooper back and we get Tyreek Hill and we fire Mike McCarthy and we fire Kellen Moore, then maybe, maybe we can rebuy into this Cowboys team, folks. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm, I'm so dumb. Folks, I'm in disbelief right now. I literally cannot believe what the hell is going on with this Cowboys team. And the fact that some people think they're good. That's the cherry on top. I'm literally dumbfounded, folks. I can't even finish the rest of the show. Y'all got me in dumbfounded mode, folks. I absolutely cannot believe it. <sighs> Let's see what... We've got to finish this quote. We've got to... Because there's got to be more... Folks, this is a big quote, I think. This big quote... I don't know, but let's keep going, folks. I wouldn't call the offseason exhausting. It's a challenge. It's work. A lot that went into it mainly because of the unique situation of the last two years with the pandemic and how it affected the salary cap in terms of not having its natural, if you will, increase each year. You, were, you weren't able to project that. You knew that the cap was not going to be naturally going up as you normally build into your contracts. So consequently, we had to really step back and be conservative, if you will, in terms of signing extensions to players. The other thing that played into that was a new coaching staff coming in. Yeah, new garbage coaching staff. I mean, you hired these people. These are not good coaches. Oh my goodness. Final quote. So there were some challenges that aren't normally there that kept us from signing extensions to players we might normally would have. Yeah, you know what else What else stopped you from signing extensions? Having Jerry Jones waste the money on Ezekiel Elliott. That's why you couldn't keep Amari Cooper. Stop it with the salary cap. You couldn't extend Amari Cooper because you put so much money into Ezekiel Elliott, who's gotten worse every single year. So once again, it all starts with Jerry Jones not able to judge talent, not able to gauge talent. Stop making all the excuses. Oh, it's the salary cap. Oh, it's this. Oh my goodness. The salary cap was so big, so small. We didn't get our natural increase. Yeah, well, the Rams still were able to pay Matthew Stafford and they won the ring. I mean, they were, their team still made it work besides y'all. Folks. Let's finish up the final quote here so we can finally be done because I think I'm done with the Cowboys. I'm gonna, I, I think we have to stop talking about the Cowboys on the show because everything they say out of their mouth is just an excuse, a lame duck excuse on why they are going to be trash this year. They're telling us they're going to be trash this year, folks. Do you not get this? They're all talking now because they know they're going to be trash this year. They're starting to soften the blow, but y'all are taking that softening of the blow and are kind of putting it through a row gold color filter to be like actually no they mean they're good no this is all meaning that they're good this year yeah the lower sa lower salary cap means they're gonna play more better this year yeah see y'all they're all y'all are doing too much folks final quote here quote <clears throat> So there were some challenges that aren't normally there that kept us from signing extensions to players we might normally would have, as well as having the challenge to make some tough decisions because the camp di didn't necessarily project as high as we would have thought pre-pandemic. So they're still trying to blame the pandemic on why this team is trash.
folks. I'm exhausted with y'all. I'm exhausted with y'all, folks. Y'all got me exhausted over here. <sighs> I'm, folks, folks, folks. I just don't know what else I can do for y'all. I don't know what else I can do for y'all, folks. I truly don't. Y'all got me exhausted. This is point number 550, folks. This is not point one or just point two or even point 10 or even point 50 where we're like, well, yeah, but what about this now? It's like, folks, we're 500 points deep on why this Cowboys team is going to be an absolute mess. I'm, I can't say anything else, folks. Is this thing on part two? Is this thing on finally now, folks? Are y'all finally seeing it? Is this finally waking y'all up? Stop it with the Cowboys, please. Already, <laughs> we're two months into the offseason and y'all are going wild with the Cowboys already. Stop it with the Cowboys. So, <sighs> I don't think you ever win the Super Bowl in the offseason. After the Rams literally just won the Super Bowl in the offseason, folks. It's crazy. It's crazy. <coughs> so, that's what we've got, folks. Another day, another Cowboy story on why they are absolute garbage. There it is, folks. Well, let's go ahead and beat another dead horse to death again. Yes, folks, who else have we been talking about lately? Kyler Murray. And once again, what is our message to Kyler Murray? Get the leverage, then negotiate. First, you get the leverage. You put the leverage in negotiation. Then you drink all the money. Yes, then you get all the money. Yes, folks, it's the, follow the song. Follow the song. You put the lime in the coconut, then you drink them both up. You don't do the coconut first. You take the lime, you put it into the coconut. You take the lime, you put it in the coconut, folks, and then you drink them both up. You get the satisfaction on both. Can't do the coconut in the lime. It doesn't work out. You can't negotiate without the leverage. It doesn't work out. You're not going to be drinking it both up if you don't have the leverage before the negotiation, yes? You put the leverage in negotiation, then you get the payday. Folks, it's right there. It's in the song. Yes? Follow the lyrics. It's not that hard. Kyler Murray, once again, not getting the leverage. And there was a chance to get some leverage. It wouldn't be big leverage, but it would have been a nice, good starting point of leverage. But he's not doing it because we get this, folks. Kyler Murray and veteran teammates won't attend Cardinals' voluntary workouts. Now, two things we have to talk about here. Kyler Murray aspect and the teammates aspect. And they're both bad. So, once again, no buyability into this Cardinals team this year. Dysfunction already this offseason, folks. Why are we buying into dysfunction in the offseason? Why are we buying into the Cowboys? Why are we buying into the Cardinals? And I, I, we shouldn't even be buying that much into the Browns. Like, we have to buy into the Browns because Deshaun Watson's fantastic. But there is still dysfunction. Baker Mayfield's still on that team. It's still dysfunctional at this moment. Can't buy 100% into the Browns. We can buy a nice 80% chunk because Deshaun Watson, that's how great he is. But the other 20%, we can't buy into it right now. Stop with the dysfunction in the offseason, folks, especially this early on. Man, oh, man. But let's get back to this here. Let's start with Kyler Murray. He could have gotten leverage. And I know these are voluntary workouts. You know, you can go, you cannot go. They're voluntary. It doesn't really mean nothing. But when you want the contract, if you're going to be demanding a contract, you know, and you, your first attempt got shut down big bad, they're paying everybody else besides you. They're like, they, they want you to talk. I mean, like this, this, this 
Cardinals team, they've got no worries that you're going to make like a, such a great point that they're forced to pay you. So the Cardinals are in the driver's seat right now, and so far, Kyler Murray still doesn't understand that. So I get these are voluntary workouts, but if you showed up, that's where the leverage is. The leverage is not not showing up. The leverage is actually showing up to voluntary workouts. Yeah, these are voluntary. I'm the leader. I'm the quarterback. I'm the veteran. I don't have to be here, but I'm here. What's up? I want to be good. I want this team to be good, and it starts here. The first chance that I have to be with the team, I'm going to take that chance because I'm that leader. I'm that guy. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to be here just with all these other guys as well. I know I'm a veteran. I'm the quarterback, so I'm a, I'm a little bit placed on a pedestal on the team, but I'm going to be out here with y'all. I'm going to be out here with the young guys. I'm going to be out here with the entire team because I am the team. I am the leader. This is where you get your leverage from. So when they go into negotiations for the contract, be like, yeah, Cliff King's very well. Uh, he did show up. That was pretty good. Voluntary workouts, he showed up. He's a leader. Yeah, he's showing us the good things. Not showing up doesn't give you leverage. Oh, look who's here. Kyler Murray says he's a leader, but it's not even here on voluntary workouts. And he wants the money? Eh, can't give him that. This is your chance to get the leverage, and he's still not understanding that. You need the leverage for the negotiation. You get the leverage for negotiation, then you get the payday. I mean, folks, yes, yes. Y'all, y'all peeped how that got better every iteration. Yes, folks. Y'all, y'all peeped that. It was right on. That was perfect. That last one was perfect, folks. Give my credit on that. Yes. <laughs> so, Kyler Murray, listen to the song. It's right there. Damn. So, Kyler Murray not getting his leverage that you know he's crying for. I want the money. Well, you got to get the leverage first. Man's not getting the leverage. Second tier. What the hell? No, I'm gonna go this, folks. I'm gonna say the word. I'm gonna say the word because this is how. Once again, is this thing on? What the fuck did we just talk about yesterday, folks? Here we go. Cl these are like the closing six minutes of the show, folks. We're going to get graphic and our words. So here it is, folks. What the fuck did we just talk about yesterday, folks? Literally, what the fuck did we just talk about? AJ Green, Kyler Murray not having that communication. They bring AJ Green back. So they're going to be running it back between their relationship, quarterback, wide receiver relationship again. What the hell did we just read yesterday, folks? What the fuck did we just read yesterday? Yesterday, AJ Green being like, yeah, you know, we can improve our, you know, our chemistry. You know, we can improve our, um, our, uh, our vocality with each other. We can talk a little bit more with each other, get on the same page a little bit more, communicate. That's the word I was looking for. Communicate a lot better with each other. AJ Green said, Hey, I have to take that step too. But Kyler Murray could also take that step too of increasing our communication. So we're all on the same page. So we have success. So we can win the ring. Once again, Super Bowls are won in the off season when everybody's on the same page in the voluntary workouts getting everybody together as soon as possible that wins rings continuity consistency camaraderie folks it all wins the ring in the offseason you can win the ring you can win the ring in the offseason folks man y'all got me going crazy now it's so crazy like folks do you not see the teams that are winning the rings the Rams, they just won the ring. Let's try to do what they did. Secure the investment in the offseason. Make sure everybody's on the same page in the offseason so we can make it work in the regular season. Folks, it's like uh, we're saying. 
Folks, we get new information, we get new data every single day, but what doesn't change, folks? The points, the narratives, we change the narratives based on what's happening. But these narratives have stayed the same because they're doing the same things that make these teams bad. Oh, folks, I am fired up now. I am fired up. We're getting the same ridiculousness over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Jeez, jeez, is anybody, like, I, it's so clear to me. Why is it so clear to me? Why is it so clear to me and not clear to all these other people out here? I don't get it, folks. Man, Kyler Murray, y'all were just talking about, AJ Green at minimum was just talking about y'all's communication, and you don't make a plan to go to voluntary workouts? Put in the work. Show the leadership. Get the leverage. Put it all together so it can work. Y'all are actively now hindering your success, hindering the team's progress. And I know they're voluntary. I get it. But you know why they're voluntary, folks? You want to know why they're just voluntary? Because of the collective bargaining agreement. It's not like the coach or coaches are like, yeah, you can come, come, not come. We don't care. You know, we don't care. They want, the coaches want the players here. It's the players. It's the veterans that negotiated because they have leverage. The whole point, Kyler Murray, get leverage. We digress. But they had leverage. They're like, hey, we're not going. Wait, why do we need to go? I'm not going to no freaking workouts this early in the season. No, no, no. So they had to make it voluntary. They won that collective bargaining. This is still a business at the end of the day, folks. The Players Association with the NFL, two sides. Players Association, folks. They negotiate the contracts for all the players. Or the rules, the guidelines, I should say. For all the teams, for all the players. Players Association, they made this voluntary workouts. So... The players got to get it done, folks. Kyler Murray, A.J. Green, get in the fucking lab. A.J. Green's a veteran, folks. You should know this by now. You still want to just wait till the last second to get it all put together? Well, you did that last season. How'd that work out for you? Oh, yeah, you couldn't catch the game-winning ball against Green Bay that set this entire thing into motion. It started with A.J. Green, and they still are not correcting it here. What more do you want? Kyler Murray, now, now you got me going villain mode. Now you got me going villain mode. Kyler Murray doesn't deserve to get paid. He should be cut from this team. If I was Cliff Kingsbury, I'd move off of Kyler Murray. And A.J. Green, I'd tear up his contract. I know we just signed but I tear it up right now. Done. Done. Done with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and done with the Cowboys. I'm truly done, folks. We've seen more. More than enough, folks. I am done. Uh, done with them. We're, we won't be talking about them. I'm done because they're not going to upset us. <laughs> these, uh, these... <laughs> These teams and these players will not hold this weight of upsetting us every day on the show. Getting in our way of watching Kenny Pickett. We can't watch Kenny Pickett now. We got to get out of here because we're spending 15 minutes a day reiterating the same things because nobody wants to admit that they maybe were a little wrong. A little wrong. Cowboys can't admit, yeah, we've made maybe not the best signing decisions. Yeah, you know, getting rid of Amari Cooper wasn't the best. Kyler Murray, yeah, you know, getting no leverage and not doing these volunteer workouts yeah I was a little in the wrong there nobody can ever admit when they were wrong nobody can ever admit when they were made a mistake so we're done trying folks we're done trying over here we're done folks I'm done I'm done this is the last you'll ever hear from me <laughs> I'm done folks what the hell folks
So, Kyler Murray, teammates, AJ Green not attending voluntary workouts. All right, yep, that's how you get better. And then we didn't even get to the best story of the day, folks. Ben McAdoo, the Panthers offensive coordinator, calling Sam Darnold the starter, and then 30 seconds later in the same press conference saying, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I can't really say that. So... Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to the Panthers, folks. Will y'all stop it with that? He's got Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo. He's not going to Ben McAdoo and Matt Rule. Stop it with these teams, folks. I'm begging y'all. Y'all got to stop it. Y'all got to. I'm begging y'all to stop, folks. I am begging y'all to stop it with the Cowboys, with the Cardinals, and with the Panthers. Please stop it on all those three teams, folks. We Y'all are speaking nonsense at this point. There's nothing to back up anything y'all are saying, truly. It's enough. It's enough. We've got to put it to rest. Alrighty, folks, we got to get out of here. And after this, folks, I'm just watching game one of the Celtics in that series to get in a better mood to carry me into game two. And that's that. I cannot look at any NFL information, news stories at all for the rest of the day. Y'all got me mad. Y'all got me upset now. Y'all happy? You happy? Damn, y'all. Damn, y'all. All right, we got to get out of here, folks. I got to get out of here. I got to blow off some steam because I'm about to scream into this mic, folks. What do we get? Ben Simmons progress. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Just, just exactly what we fucking needed to end the show. Ben Simmons news. Shall we Shall we indulge in this, folks? Should we see what the new goalpost on Ben Simmons is, folks? Yes. This is how we cap off this wild show that had us going manic the last half hour. Here we go, folks. What do we got on Benny Simmons? Yes. Here we go. Breaking. Breaking news. Here it is. Breaking news based on Ben Simmons' progress and practices this week. Game four versus Boston on Monday is looming as a realistic target for his Brooklyn debut. Game three hasn't been fully ruled out yet. What did we just fucking say when we were talking about this earlier in the show, folks? Expect Ben Simmons to potentially be brought up by game four. After they get beat at home by game three, need a little bit of uplifting material. So Ben Simmons is going to come back game four, be the savior. <sighs> All right. That's the new goal post. Game four. Game four. Later in the series. 10, 15 minutes. Game four. Okay. Okay. When you're down three, nothing. Game four. That, that's all going to come and work out. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Okay. Alrighty, folks, we're out of here. I'm out of here. Done. Done for today. Maybe even done for tomorrow. Y'all may not see me tomorrow, folks. Y'all may not see me tomorrow because y'all got me going. All right? This is on y'all now. This is on y'all. These are, <laughs> these are your consequences, yes? May not be here tomorrow. I'll, I'll see. I'll see. Goodbye, folks. Don't even have a good one. I'm annoyed with y'all, all right? Don't have a good one, okay? Y'all see what it's come to? Y'all don't have a good one. I may see you tomorrow.